0: Welcome to the Healthy Beast Today's guest is a clinical psychologist and mindfulness expert What is mindfulness? I've heard the word loads of times Suspected it might be a load of bollocks But after talking to this lady I've completely changed my mind Her name is Dr. Cinzia lazy It's an Italian name It's difficult to pronounce That's not her fault Listen and learn Thank you Chincia, welcome. Now, your, your bio is, on your website, Chincia Pezzolese. Yeah, Cintia perfect. Chincia um, is a clinical psychologist and mindfulness expert. Yeah. Now, mindfulness, it's one of these things that everyone thinks they know a little bit about. I mean, the word is thrown about all the time. They, they even mention it on the underground, so they say, you know, be mindful of other people. So everyone knows about this word. But I think everyone, like me, probably doesn't actually know that much about it and, I, and it's possibly one of the ones where if people are going to laugh about new age things mindfulness is one of these ones where they're you know they're not really sure about it so how do you cope with this negative side?
1: Interesting question um, I think the way in which I cope is that uh, there is a lot of scientific evidence that supports the effectiveness of mindfulness so even to the most sceptical person I think research just speaks by itself. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say about the learning, because clinical psychologist, that sounds like someone, to me, that's done a lot of exams. You know, it kind of like, sounds like a serious job. Whereas mindfulness, you don't know. So there is a lot of studying involved, right?
1: Of course, of course. In, uh, so the first study was in 1972. So it's been a long time since they started to study mindfulness. But it became popular about 10 years ago. And in the last five to eight years we have uh, begun to study the brain and now the brain changes as you practice mindfulness. So, so there is scientific evidence that is uh, hard to object to.
0: So, It's hard to argue with, right. So you, how did you get into it? What did you, you study first?
1: Um, so when I moved to the UK about 14 years ago and I changed a change career. I was a professional volleyball player. Wow. And, um And back home in Italy was a, a big deal. But I, I also did study clinical psychology. So I moved here. And I started doing research. On mindfulness and eating disorders. Um, so I was looking at how mindfulness would help people to reduce the intake of food. Um, or to stop binging. And it seemed to be. A very effective tool. So um, I was like, oh, I'm curious to try. So I started from studying the effects of mindfulness on people. And then I, I became curious. It felt something important to uh, to get into. So I started my own practice.
0: So, I mean, when people talk about mindfulness as in just this common usage of just thinking about other people. So, this example I gave you, be mindful of other people. That just means thinking, right? That just, that, so, the common use is just be mindful of people, think about other people. But your clinical use of it is something different, right? So, this is something you have to practice on your own or.
1: So, mindfulness for me is awareness. So, knowing what awareness.
0: Awareness, yeah.
1: Yes, knowing what you are doing when you are doing it, which is what most of us don't do because we tend to live in automatic pilot so we are thinking about what is going to happen in the future so we are planning and we are in the future or we are in the past thinking about what we should have done why things went in a certain way and mindfulness actually is about being in the here and now and knowing what your body and mind are up to Um, so that means also be aware of what is happening around you that's why people say be mindful so be aware of what is happening inside you and around you
0: so if I come to you and I'm a very stressed person which maybe right at this moment I feel a little bit like that for various reasons what, what's the first thing you do what's the first thing you
1: so what, what is the first thing I do I would just uh, want to know have a sense of what you do during your day and what makes you stressed because the thing is mindfulness can be helpful um, when it comes to to help you deal with stress so it doesn't push the stress away it just gives you a tool to, to become less bothered by for example the mental chatter so there is a difference between pressure and stress so pressure could be whatever it is that you have to do your to-do list or uh, the chores at home but stress is how you respond to that pressure so um, what would i say like let's look at your pressures and let's look at how you respond that how you respond is about mindfulness because it's about awareness
0: okay so so the pressure is the thing that's happening to you stress is how you deal with it Yes. So that thing people say, which I find myself doing, if I try not to, because I think you, it is a bit of a decision whether you're stressed or not. But when someone says, "I've been, you know, I'm under a lot of stress" or "I'm very stressed," it's always this idea that it's coming from outside. So you know, my work is making me stressed Whatever it is, is making me stress. But you're saying so even that you look at it linguistically differently. Yes. So it's a pressure, but stress is something yes. I create
1: absolutely, it's our internal response okay. so usually we get stress when we feel that we don't have sufficient resources to deal with the pressures that we have around us we can also have internal pressure for example I want to do well I'm a perfectionist and so on but still if that stresses me out or not is up to me it's how I interpret my ability to deal with that pressure
0: Okay, so this is what we need to learn this is, the, this, is the, this is the important thing So all this stuff coming at you Say a lot of people in the modern world Every time they look at their phone or their laptop There's a load more messages And it's, you got to do this, you've got to do that Some of it's stuff that's not important at all But it all adds to that yes. Stress or, not stress, pressure
1: Yes, exactly And unfortunately We can only deal with a certain amount of pressure at the time so what happens is that we are experiencing something called the system overload. So our brain is bombarded by too much information on a regular basis. That means that we, we can only process 120 bits of information per minute. A conversation like the one we're having now is about 60 bits. So if you add to that mobiles, emails, notifications or... Uh, monitoring whatever else is around you—that's go—that goes way beyond our capacity to elaborate information. So we get basically overloaded and too much pressure that turns into stress.
0: Okay, so this when you talk about you talk about bits, as in like computer language of information. Yes. Can, so they so they've tested to see how much people can
1: can can take in with. over a minute. And imagine that the body sends. A few million bits per minute but we ignore all of that so the body wo- sends information to the brain but we tend to ignore it the one that we process cognitively actively is only 120 bits per minute but a conversation takes half of it
0: so you're saying you can have a conversation and do something else as well
1: there is space to process something else but I wouldn't recommend it
0: so I could be playing the guitar now, for example, and we could be talking and that would work? Um, th-
1: n- no, it doesn't work because it will switch from playing the guitar to speaking. Okay. So every cognitive task, so task where I use my brain to, to, to do something or to process an information, uh, can, can be done simultaneously. It you, can't
0: be done simultaneously?
1: No. It, multitasking basically doesn't really exist. Okay. we only switch from a task to another very quickly
0: ok, so really all you're doing when you're saying you're doing two things you're doing one for a bit then the other one for a bit and then the other one for a bit so you can't effectively
1: yes, multitasking do. is a big problem it is because it it burns it takes more time than to go back to what you were doing before so if you start an activity then you stop and you go back to it you um, it takes a third of the time to recap so basically to reconnect to what you were doing before so if you are very tired at the end of the day it's because most of us have spent a lot of time multitasking so extra energy to start an activity stop do something else getting distracted and then going back to it that's very tiring
0: and what if you, what if someone tells you? Say I'm having this conversation with you, and you and you say to someone, well, "Multitasking doesn't exist. It's, it's therefore bad because you're you know you're all over the shop and you're taking a while to get back to it." What if they say, "My work demands this of me." What do you would this is what's your next?
1: Oh yeah, that's what I do every time. I, I go to corporate and we. We do a, um, a beautiful exercise but we can't do it here, like we need a piece of paper and, and we, we try to multitask. And, and, and What happens is that you can multitask only things that don't require any attention. So you can chew a gum and go for a walk, easy. But you can't engage in two tasks simultaneously, it's just because of the brain is structured in that way. So the work asks you to do that, uh, that's too bad. So you can still do it. But you notice that you, the quality of what you do is not as good, and it, it, at the end of the day, you are more tired. So when I go to a, a workplace, I say you can still do it, but it won't take you, it won't save you time. It will make you fatigued at the end of the day. So you are, you, it takes you longer to do the same thing. So at the end of this conversation, people realize, okay, let me try, try it's a leap of faith to do one thing at a time and see how it goes and, and normally they don't regret it it's just the quality and, and, and the focus so you pick perform when you're able to focus on one thing and let go of what is not important
0: so if let go of everything else focus on one thing
1: mindfulness.
0: mindfulness
1: this is what mindfulness teaches you to focus on one thing and then to let go of what's not imp- what is not important
0: So okay. So you go to these corporates. A lot. Do you get people there? Because presumably if it's a group of people, there'll be someone there who maybe has done a bit of yoga and meditation and they're kind of on board with it. Then there's presumably someone that doesn't know anything about it and then there might be someone who's a bit difficult as well and kind of, they resist it.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Because I think there's a resistance to, well... I mean, you see, with how much people are constantly doing, right? So when you see people out, out, they're always engaged in as as many things to shield them from the local environment as they can. Which maybe they think is their own kind of mindfulness, because you're going into your own world, but you're, you know, there's no chance of engaging with the world around you. So I suppose you want, but you are wanting also people to do that, or is it more about kind of when you're sitting alone and focusing on yourself? It's because you know, yoga they talk about how the, pra- the practice begins when you leave the studio. Is mindfulness one of those where they come to you, they study a bit, and then they take it into the rest of their life?
1: Absolutely. Um, there is a formal mindfulness practice, which is when you meditate.
0: Full, sorry. Formal.
1: Formal. formal yeah. Um, so it means you sit, uh, possibly alone or in a meditation center, uh, for a set period of time. But there is informal, which means that applying mindfulness to your everyday life. An example could be whenever you're doing something you're fully concentrated on what you're doing so you're making a cup of tea you're just uh, doing that right now so you notice the details of that activity and and you enjoy what you're doing as well which is a part of uh, mindfulness brings makes ordinary things extraordinary so and the brain generalizes what you do so if you practice mindfulness in a formal way through meditation then the brain will learn to be more present more often during your day so it's not something that you do in isolation I always say to people, don't just practice 30 minutes and then run around like a headless chicken because that's not mindful mindfulness is a way of being and living as well because
0: It strikes me a bit that you can teach people mindfulness but it seems that everything we've been doing as grown-ups and in the modern world is undoing that because from what you're I was listening to you then talking about being absorbed in a task and I was thinking of what children are like I see my children drawing and they can't even hear you you know and I've seen your parents can get cross with this where they're they're, trying to be, they're calling a the kid for dinner or something and then they, then they don't hear them. But I see it in mind they, they genuinely don't hear what's going on around them. So they appear to be mindfulness experts already but then everything else we do is kind of hammering in to people that you've got to be alert because the world's a dangerous place so you can't go and be fully immersed in one thing because you've got to be alert and you've got to be you've got to be quick so if you're, if you're working for someone you've got to be answering your emails in 10 minutes you've got to be doing all these things that the modern world requires of you so it's almost like we had this state as a child and we removed it and now we're trying to put it
1: back. Absolutely, absolutely that's a, a, a beautiful description we are born more mindful than when we when we grow old, older we're not as mindful um, because the system puts a lot of pressure on us to, to perform. And our brain has not evolved as much as the technology in the last 100 years. So if you think about the structure of the brain is the same, but the context in which we live has changed so much. So the idea would be to, be, to try to be fully focused. It's a bit like what athletes do, having periods of peak performance and then rest and recovery periods. So we think when we are at work that if we push hard enough we we'll see the the bottom of the pile but it's not a it's not true there is always more that we can do so we end up working in a way that is not as productive uh, is more a mix of low productivity and and distractions with what I'm suggesting is to focus one hundred percent and then having breaks so that's what also mindfulness supports: the ability to focus fully for a period of time, and then to to let go. So that's how you get through your emails, your meetings, your working day. You can't push uh, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. You need, even within one day, small periods of rest and recovery.
0: This is what I do. See if I mean. I'm, this is what I'm trying to do. I'll tell you. See if you think it's effective. So. I'm in the middle of trying to do this bit of work and that bit of work and it's driving me crazy. So I decide, right, I'm going to do this bit now. I set an alarm on my phone for, say, 40 minutes. I put the phone out of reach where I can't can't get it until the beeper goes off and then I just have to focus on that one thing. It doesn't always work, but because I know the phone's out of reach and I've told myself, you've got to sit and do this one piece of work now, and so if I veer off from the path, I know that I'm being naughty and I bring, I bring myself back to it. So that's worked.
1: Absolutely. Excellent.
0: So much better than a bit of this, a bit of that. And the problem is it's the messages pop up. This is the thing. So you think, oh, got it that, got it that, got it that.
1: And that's so addictive as well. Every time if we have a notification and we are doing something maybe quite... Sometimes boring, but sometimes just a, a big task, for example, and there is a distraction, like a, an email coming through. The brain releases a bit of dopamine, which is like, oh, mm. this is interesting. And, and that's how we procrastinate most of the time, like through these um, little uh, uh, drops of dopamine here and there that take us away from the task that we're doing.
0: Mm. And, and bad ones and stress ones as well, you know, depending on the message. Because you see a message and it's a, it's a good one or a bad one, and you yes. and you kind of these diff, different responses in your body for things that, you know, they might be so meaningless in the scheme of it. You know, someone's liked a picture you put up, or oh, yes. you know, things like this. And I suppose, the the thing about um, the stresses people are under it sometimes strikes me that people like. Having, I'm still calling it stress rather than pressure. Yes. But they like to have distress because it it gives them something to kind of chase. So you know, you're so because you say you have a busy day work, and you when you're finished, you're like, oh, it's been crazy today. People like to talk about how busy they are. Often, maybe they're not, but they like to talk about how busy they are. And it's almost as if if you took that away, then they have to contemplate themselves. But contemplating yourself isn't necessarily an easy thing. Mm because no-one's got any answers about what it's all for and all this kind of thing. So it's easier in a way to just constantly be chasing something and then you're tired and exhausted and stressed. You do it again, you're tired exhausted and stressed. At least you don't have to kind of look in the mirror and wonder what your life's all about, which I think for my parents' generation was looked down upon because, you know, it was sort of navel-gazing. They talk about, you know, thinking too much about yourself. Just get on with it. Just get on with your life. Whereas really fine, I suppose you can get on with your life until it's over if you want, but if you want to slow down and think about it and enjoy your life, you probably want to let go. But do you have people who don't want to let go?
1: The majority of people don't want to let go. It's um, the hardest thing to stop. Because we are just uh, uh, in doing mode all day.
0: Doing mode, yeah.
1: Yes. We're just keeping busy as a way of, as you said, distracting ourselves from from other things. So it really works. So when you're busy performing tasks there is no space to feel anything. Um, And that wanting to feel something, yeah that's a big problem. Uh, There there has been a study where people were given two options. One was to uh, spend some time alone and just uh, thinking about themselves and the other one was to give themselves an electrical shock. And guess what they chose? The vast majority.
0: So they'd rather electric shock and get out of there. Exactly. And sit and contemplate themselves.
1: Yes. So uh, I think we're a bit scared it's not to look inside. Or emotions are, are, are things that we, don't, we try not to experience to avoid.
0: Sitting still doing nothing is somehow... Frowned upon. Somehow, people don't think it's something you should be doing. Yeah. Have you? Thought, I found myself when you sit down in a cafe, so you're waiting for somebody, and I sometimes think I just want to sit here now. I just want to sit here for five minutes. And then I found myself not getting up my phone just because you feel it's a, it's more normal behaviour. You know, because if you now see someone who's who's doing that, it's completely normal. That's just what people do. If you see someone sitting there like a weirdo? You're like, what, what are you doing, mate? Why are you sitting there, like, a, yeah, like a weirdo? So it's like it's weird to do this, sit here, but to look in your phone is is completely normal. Yes. So, and this came quickly, right? This wasn't. You know.
1: Yes, yes, yes. There is this vignette exactly what you you were describing that I I, I came across a while back of this person of someone commenting on on someone sitting on a cafe just doing nothing it's like look at that weirdo doing nothing just like yeah
0: what's wrong with you You you, do you not have a phone are you bored you know
1: yeah and when we do nothing uh, that's when we rest our brain which is the most important thing that we can do to to then go on with our lives and, and even if we are concerned about performing and doing all the things you have to do you need those periods of, of recovery which you get when you don't do anything. Paradoxically when I ask the question when was the last time you just sat somewhere doing nothing no one can no one knows, like people don't really do it. And, uh, and that's... Uh, and then we, we used to take care of our Possessions like cars and bags or whatever we have, m- way more than our brain, which is a bit paradoxical.
0: Mm. Yeah, I don't think we. Do, I don't think we do think about taking care of it. When, when does when does the mindfulness fail for you? When do you when do you when did the the kind of chimp brain take over and oh. you know, did you still get angry? Do All you, the time. You, all the time, good, it's, it's not just me <laughs>
1: uh, yes, I, I, I try to, to remove the human bits out of me by practicing but that doesn't work um, I think the difference is that you are more aware of your automatic reactions to things um, so you're able to catch yourself sometimes uh, before going into your habitual reaction. So uh,
0: your habitual, your normal, yeah. yeah, normal
1: reaction. Yeah, normal reaction. And what what is said in mindfulness is you choose to respond to an event rather than react to an event.
0: So you choose to respond.
1: Yes, this is because uh, the vast majority of our behaviors is a learned learned behaviour, meaning that is um, it's something that we do automatically based on the previous experiences we have had and so on Uh, but with mindfulness we undo the automatic pilot and so we know what we're doing when we're doing it so that means that it's not a reaction the reaction happens to you a response is something that you say okay I feel like this is it the right way of responding to this event or not so it gives you a choice that was not previously available
0: so is it mostly about giving yourself time to make a rational decision with things? Is that one of the main...
1: Mm, it, it, more than time, I would say space. Uh, so sometimes people think of mindfulness like slowing down. And I don't think mindfulness is a, is a pace. Mindfulness is, um, is, uh, is more about uh, being in touch relating to what you're doing to what you're thinking so it's a relational skill so it is, it's, a, it's about I see this is coming I step back and I choose that doesn't make me slow in a way uh, you can be mindful in, if you think of the Formula 1 pilot they're very mindful they're completely 100% focused on what they're doing they can't afford any distraction they're not slow they're very fast
0: yeah, I suppose so. It's more like the way you process it, the the the, the, the method you use. So you have to. So you're kind of, You're trying to remove the personal. The
1: is in a way is is about observing, being the observer of your own thoughts that usually drive your emotions and behaviors. So you step back and you look. Okay. I'm having this emotion I am having this reaction or but you the fact that you're able to observe it uh, doesn't make you completely into that behavior or emotional reaction so you're a step imagine that you are looking at uh, at your emails they have arrived but you don't open them unless you want to open them so you are just a, a step. Um, so you can look
0: at them, and you can think, okay.
1: There is distance.
0: Yeah. So there are some emails to be answered.
1: Yes, but I. Uh, at they a time there. of my choosing. But you can open the email or not, so you see them, but you can decide to go into into the content or not. So, going back to our, we work on an everyday basis. You can see your thoughts when you're mindful. But you can decide whether you want to follow the narratives, or or letting them go.
0: So, if you see if you see within that mix, say fear or anger or any of these emotions, you, you what you do, you recognize it and you try not to make the decision based on that. Is that how? You would? Uh,
1: so, um, emotions are uh, normally what we 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 would suggest in mindfulness to to embrace your emotions rather than are fighting the emotions. Usually we tend to push them away, Mm -hmm. but the moment in which you push something away, you're engaging a lot with that. Imagine you don't want the emotion to come through this door and you hold the door very firmly, so you're actually having a fight with your emotions. With mindfulness, you observe the emotion is coming, you feel it, because the emotions do have um, an expression in the body, so you might feel If it's fear you might feel tense, agitated, and you just let it be. Because the principle behind that is that everything is temporary. Things do come and go. We say like the clouds in the sky, they just move around. Um, Unless you pick up a fight with your emotions or with the situation which you are in. So if you start pushing back, then it's when you reiterate the emotion that you're trying to get rid of.
0: So when you re- so you okay you infor- reinforce it, reiterate it. Okay, so you so you want to you want to let the emotion be felt, but you don't want to take so, it on board too much or fight it.
1: Exactly, you just let it go through you, as a, as you as a, anything else that like an emotion only lasts forty seconds in the brain.
0: 40 seconds yes, 4-0 4 zero. 40 seconds, that's all you've got
1: yes, but we can be, for example, upset for much longer than that yeah. and that's because we engage into the thinking behind that emotion so if I am upset and I acknowledge, okay, I'm upset I feel uh, I'm having a terrible day that emotion will naturally fade but because we don't want to be upset and we don't want to have a bad day We start thinking, oh, I should fix, I should talk to this person, I should do this and that. So trying to fix the state in which we are, using our brain thinking, only reiterates the emotion further. Emotion... Further.
0: Further. Okay, so yeah, 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 okay. Okay, so we need to so we need to not kind of give it energy by fighting it. Yes, and, but not also so not try and fix it, not try and get rid of it, not
1: trying to change just it either. Just uh, just experience it. Like, okay, this is our own feeling. I am having these thoughts. My body feels heavy. I'm a bit sad. That's it. But it's very different from what we normally do. We don't like to be sad or stressed or anything like that.
0: Because normally the thought it's like this is I guess yeah this is making me feel sad. And then you you add to it by thinking it's not right. How can I stop this? How can I change it? And then you've got this whole.
1: Yes, you basically think about it even more than just the forty seconds in which you experience the sadness.
0: Is the forty seconds that that's that's kind of hormones moving around and you feeling?
1: It's neurochemical as yeah. well.
0: So that's ch- kind of like chimp brain, anger or whatever yes. it is, and then that.
1: Yes what you call the chin brain is like our uh, emotional brain limbic system yeah. which is uh, five times faster than the thinking brain. So usually when we appraise the situation we, we have an emotional reaction and then we think about it later. An example if you go into a meeting and someone challenges you and you are a bit thrown and you mumble something, you're not quite sure what to say and then you go back to your desk and you think, ah, oh, I should have said this, this and this, answered in this way that's, that's because the first um, reaction is emotional and then a bit later you have the rational brain telling you, oh, you should have done this and that.
0: So I guess it's just trying to access that earlier, yes, well, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, so if you normally Respond with stress to a situation That would be your emotional response So the beauty Is that you, by practicing Mindfulness or other stress reduction Techniques, I'm not saying that Mindfulness is the only thing you can do uh, You can Teach uh, your, Your brain to use that Instead of going into The limbic brain, so emotional response
0: So you teach your brain to Kind of bypass that
1: Yes, or to weaken the, the links between the emotional response and, and, and so, so that it doesn't become your first reaction. I'll give you an example. If you think about the firefighters, yes. they are able to keep calm in a situation that would uh, uh, create anxiety to most people. And that happens because they've trained their brain in that situation enough so that they can switch on the more rational, balanced response. So that's, the, that's what I'm trying to say. So you can teach yourself to respond with calmness and presence and feeling grounded even in the midst of something very stressful.
0: And the training is really a practical thing, so it's what do you do in this circumstance, so what, what practically needs to be done, you know, for example or whatever it is in your... Or your mind.
1: mindfulness practice, your meditation practice is what teaches you to be grounded, because when you practice mindfulness and you have a lot of resistance in your head, you don't want to do it, or you have a pain an ache, or something like that, you just learn to sit through it, so that's you learn a different way of responding to whatever is going on through your mind without fixing it by doing but just by being with what is I think
0: it's, it is it's a natural human reaction to fix things, isn't it? there's a problem you want to fix it yes but often there's not a thing to be done you know, it's, you're trying to fix as you say, an emotion you're trying to fix I don't like or something you can't change about yourself or something like that exactly yeah.
1: Yes. So trying to fix only will try. So if I am sad and depressed and I think why am I depressed? Why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I so sad? I shouldn't be sad. I keep saying sad, sad, sad and that sadness is like right there in my brain and so is uh, reiterated many many times.
0: So you observe and allow it to pass.
1: You observe you allow it to pass or um, you can then choose what is the best way to take care of myself right now um, maybe I, I just need to go out in, uh, to the park maybe I can just call a friend so to, to take a step that takes you out of that mental rumination in a way
0: mental rumination, I like it so you're going over and over things just churning things in your head
1: the roundabout, I call it. The you go into and you can't find the exit. You just go in circles.
0: Yeah, you're beating yourself up about these thoughts. So you mentioned sport, right? So you're talking about Formula One drivers. That's, again, a bit like children, I guess, a natural focus, isn't it? Because they're training to do this thing and it doesn't give them any chance to... Because, you know, they're doing this dangerous, difficult thing. It doesn't give them any chance for their mind to, to wander, I'm guessing. But do you have sportsmen who need or have benefited from mindfulness training
1: yes now many teams do have um, um, mindfulness teachers um, because that focus is needed because in sports it's never the person who who has the best skill set that wins but it's the person who is able to apply the skill set under pressure because we all are great uh, at a certain level, at uh, doing uh, playing the sport or just doing what we have to do, but can we do it when we are under pressure? So, the national coach of, um, of volleyball I know volleyball is not quite relevant in, in England, but in Italy it was a big deal. We say, I don't want a great setter. So, the, the setter is, is uh, the key in, uh, yeah, in a volleyball team, it's just the person who touches more ball than every, balls than everyone else. I don't want a great setter. I want a setter who is able to uh, fix any other mistake that is done by any other player. So it's able to set well under pressure. Because when the it's an easy ball, everyone can set. I need one who is able to to go and catch the ball that is hard to catch. So stays focused and doesn't just mm, doesn't give up when things are difficult. For example.
0: So you played professionally, did you say? Yes. Was this before you'd done any mindfulness study or?
1: Unfortunately, it was before.
0: So you just played as a with yes. a, a raw.
1: And so many games where I I made a mistake and I couldn't let go of it, and so I was thinking, oh crap! I just I missed that ball. That's not great. We're gonna lose the game, and 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 there we lose the game.
0: So do you look back on it now and think if I'd had my mind from this training then all the time really yes do you, so do you have regrets about your sporting career
1: Yes, I, I think that uh, from that point of view, we didn't do any work, and it was a few years ago, and that's a shame
0: because we didn't do any work: so you didn't uh, From a,
1: a psychological point of view, right. Uh, we only trained the bodies to yeah. perform and we had amazing performing bodies, but the mind uh, under pressure was not as. It's best, I think.
0: So, do you look at kind of games, big games that you lost that you could have, say, gone? In, I don't know how high a level you played at, but do you yes. look at, did you say, yes, if I, only I'd been more mindful, I could have played for the country or?
1: Yes, I, I just, uh, I think, I remember my coach telling me don't miss this ball, you have to score this, this point. And I was like, oh my, like the pressure was so high, then I would obviously miss the ball or, or not score the point.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a great coach.
1: Yeah. No, that was- but in fact, uh, I was uh, watching the national team last, last um, summer, and now this a different coach was saying, girls, you know exactly what to do. This is what we've been trained, I've trained you for like months. So you just go and get it, just it will be great. Ah!
0: Oh. Yeah, that's what it should be, sports coaching, shouldn't it? Is you can't like adding new stuff in, like late or, or telling people they're hopeless if they.
1: Yeah, but putting pressure basically doesn't work. Yeah. It's quite the opposite. Just encourage, don't put pressure.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's that, again, that old school thinking of people thinking pressure's good, you know.
1: But your decision making uh, skills under pressure don't work as well. Because pressure is emotional brain, decision making is rational brain. So if you put pressure on me, I'll use my emotional brain, not the thinking brain that I need the most. Mm. So now I think in the workplace there has been a big change. So people are no longer thinking that it's fashionable to be stressed and then they realize that we need a healthy amount of pressure and, and then rest and recovery.
0: Yeah a healthy amount of pressure, how is knowing how, what, what that is is the difficulty That's mindfulness,
1: knowing That's what mind. you are doing, when you are doing it so um, if you imagine a performance curve that is bell shaped mm-hmm. the healthy amount of pressure is uh, basically the middle of the curve uh, the question is how do you know when you are there so you need to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms um, of when you are stimulated or overly stimulated and you can only recognize that if you're actually checking in with yourself on a regular basis.
0: How, how do you know you're getting the right answers from yourself it's not a stupid question?
1: You know, well, we are experts about ourselves and how we feel if we just look.
0: So, so it's, I guess it's learning how to look and how to ask yourself the questions, right?
1: Yes, because the body is always sending signals all the time we just override them because we are in our heads all the time we just are disconnected but if I get angry or any emotion we experience is first felt in the body so if you pay attention you will uh, know what is going on with you at all times
0: so you feel it, So you feel it in your body
1: first yes it's picked up from uh, the spine and so I've
0: never, even, I've never thought of it like that I don't think
1: um... Yes, it's a well-known uh, scientific theory And, um, you know, if you shake The brain will think, oh, okay I'm ex- experiencing fear, for example So it's not the other way around
0: it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense, of course, as you're saying it But I suppose I've never considered it in that manner Is what, is what I mean yeah, Of course, yeah, you, know, makes you shake yeah. with fear or whatever But I guess I haven't really yeah, thought about it in physical terms And this is what we need to be doing uh, Mindfulness is is, is is seeing what emotions It are.
1: brings together the the body and the mind So we tend to disconnect a little bit So we are just living in our heads all the time But to be honest, to do what we want to do uh, We also need the body And the brain is an organ itself
0: That's The thing is, if people come to you and they've got problems that is something else you know, say that they, they, they're unhealthy because they're eating very badly or they're not sleeping or, or they're taking, drinking too much, or whatever it is, do you then have to think, well, okay, there's mindfulness, but also you need to make a big physical change in your life? Is this part of the conversation? You have Absolutely.
1: So I think um, mindfulness comes uh, as first thing because we, in order to change something, you need to be aware of what you're doing. If you don't understand the problem, you can't really solve it. So mindfulness gives you the, the spotlight, so you, you, you go and you need sometimes the courage to look into what you're doing, and once you have that, that sense and you know what you're doing very well, then you can uh, make some baby steps towards change. But change starts from awareness and understanding.
0: So do you, do you feel people get some benefit straight away?
1: Mm. I think uh, mindfulness is uh, more of a, a, a lifetime journey. But some people kind of at least cognitively click and there is a honeymoon phase where uh, I think that is quite immediate, if you like the concept and if it makes sense to you. But that is followed by a period when you kind of question It's like, oh, I, I liked it so much But it's a bit hard to take time to practice So you question it And then you either take it with you for forever um, As a companion Or uh, you just give up and think it's not the right time, probably
0: mm-hmm. That's
1: what I've seen over uh, the time and with you look, my clients
0: And you're looking at what they eat a lot
1: yes um, not what but how
0: how not what to eat no how not what the part
1: of being mindful uh, means uh, awareness of what you're doing in a non-judgmental way so uh, if I eat mindfully there is no right or wrong way to eat
0: so I can eat a pizza as long as I don't judge myself as
1: long as uh, you are aware of uh, the effects on your mind and body of eating certain foods. So it's more about learning to relate to your food and how the food interacts with your body rather than trying to control what you eat uh, uh, with your brain, cognitively.
0: So so is it, So you don't talk about what they eat, you talk, but you tell them to think about how they eat?
1: I, I tell them to first to observe uh, what are your eating patterns like, and, and you observe in a non-judgmental way. So if you have ever uh, been on a diet, you might have noticed that the first two, three weeks you, you kind of follow it and after that it's hard and, and it, you go back to your old habits. And that happens uh, because through motivation we, we can't really change. We can only change if, we have, uh, um, if it makes sense for us. So if you have always eaten in a certain way, and you say, okay, on Monday I start my diet, nothing has changed in your decision making that will make you choose a different food on Monday.
0: She's just pushing it away?
1: It's just uh, trying to use motivation, but unfortunately the first obstacle that you find in your life or you get a bit stressed or you don't have time to cook or whatever, you just go back to your old habit. With mindful eating, for example, you, you just notice, okay, I can have seven donuts, for example. Mm-hmm. And how does that make me feel? How does my stomach feel? Uh, most of people, the people will say, okay, I feel like quite sick, to be honest. So once I know that, I naturally will move away from the seven donuts that make me feel sick. And so that change is not imposed by anyone else. It's, be, it's because it's good for me. That means I can sustain it over time. The diet is not sustainable over time. That's the problem of, of any diet.
0: And how is your eating?
1: My eating uh, is uh, is really interesting. Is it? Uh, yes, because I, I it does change over, as as my body changes. Like I, I had two kids in a short period of time, and my body has expanded a lot, and then a shrink, and then expanded, and uh, food aversion, or like it was a it's a journey. So my eating is uh, um like a lab where I can see how I relate to food, how I emotionally eat sometimes and how I actually take care of my body through food. How I eat something because it makes me feel good.
0: But do you do you, so presumably if you're practicing this yourself you don't have the thing other people have where they eat things and regret it or Of course I do. You do?
1: Of course, because that's part of the learning. So if I don't allow myself to regret something, when do I learn that it's not the right choice for me?
0: Okay, so you eat something and regret it, and then...
1: I regret it maybe because it makes me feel sick or because I don't feel good in, inside. Um, I, I talk about, you know, there is a, there are different type, types of th- taste like... Uh, uh, savory, sweet, umami mm-hmm. and, and there is one that I always talk about is the taste of disappointment <sighs> so when you are about to eat something or you are eating something and you are already disappointed with yourself for doing that mm-hmm. I think this one you, you can really explore what, um, what it feels like to eat and your relationship with food is, uh, is what you get it's like you can't always eat mindfully to be honest
0: it's ok to regret
1: of course, Sometimes. I think it's learning. So when you don't practice, you learn the importance of practicing.
0: This is, I think, this is really helpful for me because I think I do. I think I've started doing some of these things naturally, my, mindful things. Maybe the things I've picked up from doing some meditation or yoga I find very helpful because they say to, they always do this one where they say, see the emotion, let the emotion come in, and just, just let it go. So I think it's, I guess, yeah, it's more about just that choice, isn't it? Whether it's pressure or stress.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
0: That's yes. your choice, to whether to feel pressure or whether to feel stress.
1: Sometimes you, it's automatic to feel stress because that's what you've learned to do over time. Um, so you might experience stress, but you can still, you don't have to fix it. So once I try to be stressed because usually when we experience stress we try to do something to eliminate it so once I was at my desk and I had a ton of work to do I just didn't know where to start and I noticed oh my gosh I'm stressed and then I was like what is this stress like Okay, I feel a bit agitated my heartbeat is a bit faster Um, maybe I'm not breathing normally I'm holding my breath and, and that's it that's all about it that's stress
0: and then it's gone
1: and then it's gone and I felt so proud of myself like I dealt with stress rather than going and uh, you know have a um, a chocolate or bar or you know uh, some people go and have a cigarette or just whatever they do to cope with stress
0: I always thought with with cigarettes you see someone having a cigarette see the process of doing that if you take out the fact that it's poisoning you and giving you cancer the process is quite a nice one so you, you say you're working in an office you walk outside for five minutes and you just breathe.
1: And you yes. relax.
0: Yes. And it's lovely in a way. That's like a going and doing a meditation. Oh. Unfortunately, you're also sucking noxious oh, yeah. chemicals into your lungs and risking dying early. But the, the process, if you could go outside, I always think it's unfair as well. I used to work in this big office where it was miles to go outside. And if people smoke five or six cigarettes a day, they're never, they're never there. They're just, off for a cigarette back off for, and it's kind of because it was just about socially acceptable so you can get away with it yes. so you need a cigarette break that's not bad for you basically
1: basically yes to go and yes. sit and breathe the equivalent of a cigarette break yes.
0: yeah okay that's really helped to Pettilesi great yes. to meet you thank you so much for doing it uh,
1: so thank you Richard uh, lovely to meet you too
0: thank you thank you again to Dr. Cinzia Petzolezi find out more about her at Cintia, Cinzia C-I-N-Z-I-A Petzolezi P-E-Z-Z-O-L-E-S-I com, and she works with LondonMindful.com The Mindfulness Project thanks very much she's also what did she say she was she's got a nice short Instagram handle Is Dr. DR.CNZ at dr.cnz on Instagram Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast thank you very much goodbye